1: Okay, here's a riddle for you. What do Ted Cruz and LeBron James have in common? If you ask the senator, pretty much the only thing they have in common is the way they feel about COVID vaccines. A couple days ago, after it became clear that the NBA would not be mandating players get shots before they get on the court, one player after another started fielding questions. Were they vaccinated? What about their teammates? When asked, LeBron said he was vaccinated. But as for everyone else, I don't talk about what other people should do. That sounded just about right to the Republican senator from Texas. He quickly tweeted out his support, writing, hashtag, your body, your choice. Here's a bit of data. 90% of all NBA players have gotten a coronavirus shot, but even now, with just a few weeks to go before regular season play starts up, there are these notable holdouts. These are the people LeBron wants to just leave alone.
0: I am not vaccinated, no, I'm not. Do you care to
1: share
0: why? Personal reason. Okay.
1: Yeah. Some, like Bradley Beal from the Washington Wizards, are saying they're afraid of side effects.
0: You know, was right to one person? isn't right to the
2: other, you know, vice versa.
1: A lot of players, like Andrew Wiggins at the Golden State Warriors, have simply told reporters to butt out.
3: Andrew, you seem pretty convinced. Um, what's the reason for not just explaining what you believe? because um, yeah, It's none of your business. That's what it comes down to,
2: <laughs>
0: you know.
1: But the player I'm thinking most about has been particularly coy.
0: We can only presume that you're not joining us right now because of vaccination.
1: Kyrie Irving, a star player for my hometown team, the Brooklyn Nets. He hasn't said he's not vaccinated, but he's been notably absent from any appearances that would require a shot.
3: Yeah,
2: no, Brian, I appreciate your questions, bro. Honestly, I, I like to keep that stuff private, man. I'm a, I'm a human being first.
1: And With Kyrie on the court, the Nets could be headed to the playoffs... But because of how vaccination rules work in New York City, if he doesn't get the shot, Kyrie could not even be able to walk into his hometown stadium. And all this was enough that even the mayor's weighed in. He's basically begged Kyrie to get vaxxed.
2: If it falls apart for the Nets, I don't think it's going to be about the COVID stuff.
1: I called up ESPN's Bomani Jones basically to cry on his shoulder. But I think Kyrie need a whole
2: room to stand up and be like, hey, man, you got to stop talking gibberish. Like not, not on some, Hey, I mean, I understand you entitled your own opinion, but, but like, yo, you sound ridiculous right now.
1: Today on the show, will the NBA find its season reshaped by COVID again? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to what next stick around. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. During the last two seasons, it seemed like the NBA was handling the pandemic pretty well. The 2020 season got cut short, but it finished up inside the Disney bubble. The 2021 season had a pretty stringent testing regimen and pretty much went off without a hitch. But when negotiations happened over this season, the players' union said a vaccine mandate was unequivocally off the table, even though referees and other NBA employees had agreed to one. When did you first hear that vaccination could be an issue with some of the players?
2: Um, I didn't actually hear that it could be an issue, but I figured that it might because it's an issue for everybody else. Like Hmm. There was no reason for me to expect this particular group of people to be more or less enlightened than anybody else is um, on this matter. There are some things that a union is gonna push back on, particularly in an industry like this one. And in this industry, you have to put this in your body is something that is never, ever going to be able to fly. And it really is a slippery slope, I think, for them in particular, because so much of that job does involve putting things in your body. You gotta at least have the option of saying no if you want to do that. And so this is somewhere where as much as people can talk about the weakness of the National Basketball Players Association and different negotiations, this is one that they had to stand on and they stood on it. And I think that the owners ultimately understood that it was necessary that the players were going to stand on it because they didn't try to bring them to the ground,
1: right? Because your body is your livelihood. Right, right. What are the rules exactly for NBA players at this point? I mean, I recognize it's different in different places because of the regional differences. But what did they eventually agree to after this tense negotiation with the Players Union?
2: It's increased testing if you are not vaccinated. Your locker, for example, has to be, I think it is literally as far as possible, away from the rest of the team, if you were not going to be vaccinated. Um, I think there's increased masking requirements if you're not going to be vaccinated. I mean, it, they make it sound really inconvenient if that's going to be the case. Now what's happened with the travel and the likes, and this is I actually think people aren't paying enough attention to this. So In New York City and in San Francisco, there have been local ordinances passed that basically you can't come inside to a large indoor event if you have not been vaccinated. In New York, it requires one shot. In San Francisco, I believe you have to be fully vaccinated in order to do that. Now, we talk about this strictly in the context of those two places, but I don't know why we're assuming that that won't be adopted by other places If the Delta or whatever else starts raging even more, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if you saw those places then make the same calls as these other cities have. And then when that happens, there's going to be a lot of dudes caught flat-footed.
1: That's because whatever rules the NBA has got in place, players are also going to be bound by the laws of whatever state they happen to be playing in. For some unvaccinated stars like Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn, restrictions in their home states mean they could be barred from home games. Let's talk about some of the reasons people are giving because I think it's useful to just kind of listen to the players a little bit here. We've got Jonathan Isaac from the Orlando Magic. He's talking about natural immunity. He's had COVID. And he actually, I listened to this press conference he gave. He was incredibly clear and straightforward, and he was very angry at being misrepresented by some journalists he felt in this process.
2: I I would just, I would start by saying that that I, I was pretty
1: badly um, misrepresented, Uh, I'm I'm not anti-vax, I'm not anti-medicine, I'm not uh, anti-science. But he was basically saying, I have the utmost respect for healthcare workers, I'm not anti-vax, I'm making a choice for me. With that being said, it is my belief that the, the vaccine status of every person should be their own choice. And by the way, I already had COVID, and so I'm protected a little bit. What did you make of that?
2: Well, the, I already had it, I'm protected, like, that that begs follow-up questions, right? Like, how protected are you? When did it happen? It's not like this is a, it's it's not like the chicken pox, right? Like, you're not about to be like, I'm good from here on out. Yeah, you can get it twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Lamar Jackson will tell you that. Like, that's not really how that one works. Um, I, as someone who has heard Jonathan Isaac talk before and found him to sound ridiculous, I did not think that he necessarily sounded ridiculous on this one, even though he is taking an approach that I do not agree with, like where where I look at him and I'm like, okay, I get that you're not worried about you, but this isn't just about you. And I think that the the libertarian streak of a lot of the non the not even anti-vax broadly, but anti this particular vaccine right here purely looking at it through the prism of themselves and not thinking about anybody else. Like when we were doing the super hardcore social distancing thing, when the test was short and everything else, the reason was everyone was supposed to assume that they were an asymptomatic carrier and how to stop the spread is by not interacting any more than you absolutely had to. People instead looked at that as stay inside so you don't catch it as opposed to stay inside so you don't spread it. So you get guys like him who are only thinking about this in the context of catching it, not in the context of transmitting it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then you have Andrew Wiggins from San Francisco. His his excuse is basically like the none of your business excuse,
2: <laughs> which is r- yeah. But he said, he, yeah, he said it's not about business. But what got me about him, and where I just looked at him funny, was he said that he was going to fight for what he believed in. Um, but I'm just going to keep fighting for what I believe and whether it's one thing or another, get the vaccination or not get a vaccination, who knows? I'm just going to, you know, keep fighting for what I believe and what I believe is right. And I've never seen anybody who sounded less confident or convicted while stating that they were fighting for what they believed in than that man
3: did.
1: Yeah, he also said his back was against the wall. He kind of implied he was going to get the shot at the end of the day, because in San Francisco, of course, like New York, they have these requirements that in the playing venue, You have to have a vaccine. So even though the NBA itself doesn't have a mandate, he's a little bit stuck.
2: Yeah. And I got to say, the NBA, I would make an argument is being nicer to a lot of these guys than I am or even like some of the places like so New York. New York is like you good if you get one shot. Right. Even if you haven't gotten the second. No, man, let us know when you all the way good. Right. Like I don't I don't need this cake (laughs) half baked myself. Like that's that's just the way I look at it. Like, nah, go ahead and let that stay all the way to the oven ding. And then we will take you out and then everybody can have dessert. That that would be the way that I would look at it. And Wiggins, yeah, he did sound like, all right, well, I guess I'm ultimately going to do it. And I look at that and I'm like, well, why don't you go ahead and get ahead of the game then? But, I mean, there was no way you were going to get out of this. This is not something that the league had any control over.
1: Yeah. I feel like we should talk about privilege and how that plays into all of this conversation about who's vaccinated and who's not in the NBA because it's so different for you to be a fine player who is saying you don't want to get a vaccine and for you to be a superstar player. (laughs) (laughs) who's <laughs> saying you don't want to get a vaccine. Yes. We talked about Kyrie Irving a little bit. And I think it's just important to return to him because already last season, we saw him sitting out games. It was kind of unclear why. We saw him out and about, sort of going to parties for people in his family without a mask. It was just a little bit confusing, but it was also really clear that he had this privilege. Like, he could kind of get Get away with stuff that maybe another player couldn't. How do you think that's going to play out in the next few weeks?
2: Well, I mean, this is the NBA. Big stars have pull. Like, there's no way around that part. The biggest stars in the NBA mean more to their teams than the biggest stars in any team sport, at least that we play in the United States. There's there's no there's no contesting or disputing that. I've just been curious how that's going to play out with the whole team. Like dudes just be like, yo, I need to go take a week off. And maybe you do, but I've always wondered at some point if the other guys who are around him are going to get frustrated. Like to me, you talk about the privilege. I mean, the the big benefit of getting the vaccine is not only, you know, making it less likely that you contract COVID-19, but also to protect you from severe symptoms. And these things can carry on for people, and we've had stories about people in general and athletes in specific who've been long haulers with this, and it's been devastating for them. And young people, like college age people, we've we've gotten stories about this. So if you do wind up contracting COVID nineteen, Jason Tatum last year, for example, was using an inhaler, you know, at the end of the season after he had caught COVID nineteen um, beforehand. And so yeah, no, there's if you do wind up catching it, they're going. I mean, it does. It, there's no way that you could argue that it helps anybody, especially not the team you play for and yourself.
1: When we come back, why peer pressure hasn't resulted in more players getting vaxxed.
2: Step into the world of power, loyalty
0: Hi, I'm Jeremy Stahl. I'm Slate's Jurisprudence Editor. Ordinarily, I edit our courts and legal coverage from the comfort of my home office in Los Angeles, but for the next month and a half, I will be locked in a lower Manhattan courtroom with the rest of the press, a jury of 12 New Yorkers, Justice Juan Marchand, prosecutors, Trump's defense team, and the former president himself as history unfolds. I've temporarily moved myself and my family from Los Angeles to New York to cover this case firsthand, like I have done in other cases, including the Paul Manafort case, the Roger Stone criminal trial, and Donald Trump's first impeachment. I'm hoping that my background knowledge of the many, many criminal travails of our former president can offer something to you, Slate's listener. Over the next several weeks, you'll be hearing from me on Amicus, Slate's legal podcast, and in articles on Slate.com. From the jury selection to the opening arguments to the witness testimony and cross-examination and the prosecution's case and the defense's case and ultimately to a final verdict we will be providing you wall-to-wall coverage throughout the entirety of the trial as it unfolds from the courtroom there's no way i'd be able to do it without the support of slate plus so if you're not already a subscriber, please join today by clicking try free at the top of the Amicus show page on Apple Podcasts or visit slate.com/slash amicus plus to get access wherever you listen. Thank you so, so much.
1: I'm surprised to not be hearing a lot more from players who have been deeply touched by COVID. And it seems to me like the vaccinated players aren't necessarily pressuring the unvaccinated players to get the shot. And I wonder what you make of that. Like, is that something to do with the NBA or something else?
2: Well, I think it's possible that they're doing it when we're not around, but they're not going to do it out here, and I don't blame them because of the tenor and tone that is being used to discuss the players who are not vaccinated, I would not want to seem like I was riding with those people either, though I often wind up finding myself in that same place. Like I find myself being, I would not say advocating for people who are not vaccinated but being careful to say I don't know what the reasons are for a whole lot of them just because I don't like the tenor of what comes back in the other direction. So I think for a lot of those players, there is, you know, I don't know the conversation that they have with those dudes. I don't don't believe that everybody who is not vaccinated is doing so for a stupid reason. And so if you feel like you're on a team and people are calling your folks stupid, I can understand why you're not going to run and join to do that. But when nobody's around, it's totally possible that they're having much more stringent conversations, which is basically the case with everything in sports. They're never going to be, whatever hell they give each other, it's a big deal when they share it with us. But that doesn't mean they don't share it privately.
1: Yeah, and I guess we'll find out in like three weeks' time when we see who walks onto what court. Right. I mean, the biggest player in the league is, of course, LeBron James. And he... He's spoken out a little bit, but I wonder if you can characterize what he said, because, you know, my colleagues here at Slate, there was an article (laughs) where they were like, please, LeBron, say something about vaccination. And it was written before he said something. And then what he said was so careful. Yeah. So
2: LeBron, um, he said that he was vaccinated and did that whole same. it's a private decision between me and my family. I got to say this wasn't nearly as complex for me. It was like, when can I get an appointment? That was the most complex question I had when it came time for vaccination. But apparently for everybody else, you got to go talk to the wife, you got to go talk to your pastor, everybody else. Okay, I guess that's how you get down cool. And so LeBron said that and, you know, he reinforced the idea that everybody should be allowed to make their own choice. Like that's the principle that he's standing on with this. You guys should know me. Anything that I talk about, I don't talk about other people and, and what they should do. Um, I speak for me um, and for my family, and uh, you know that's what it's about.
0: But you don't think the the issue is important enough for someone with your stature to to speak out on it?
2: You know, th- we're talking about individuals' bodies. You know, we're not talking about something that's, you know, political or or uh, racism or police brutality and things of that nature. Th- we're talking about like people's bodies and well beings. You know, so I don't feel like for me personally and I should get involved in and in, in what other people should do for their bodies and their livelihoods. No one is obligated to be a leader on everything. All right, you get to pick and, I think, choose and decide the things that you want to be out on the front of or the things you were called for. I get that. And so I'm not one of those people that's like, well, LeBron can talk about the police in America, but he can't say nothing about China. LeBron's not obligated to say something about everything. However, LeBron is absolutely... Absolutely tried to tell us all what a leader he is and and like a leader for black people. I mean, that's I think that's part of the way that he's characterized himself in this. I don't feel like this is a time for all the big talk that he's had about the importance of his voice. This doesn't seem to be a time to be like, I got to respect everybody's privacy on this.
1: I totally agree with you. And I I just like watching him, I was kind of divided because I understood what he was saying. Which is I'm not going to convince anyone by telling people you have to get vaccinated. Like if I come out on this you know, guns blazing and say you have to do this, like people will just stop listening to me. That was that was He's his wrong. opinion. He's
2: wrong, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really I, I I think this would be a time for a leader LeBron to step up. I think that he could do a lot of good in this moment to do so. I think in doing so, he might offend some people. That's the risk. you ain't gonna get nothing done without offending people. That's a risk for you to take. I I look at him funny for this. I do. I just think I think that I think that in a lot of ways, LeBron wants the spoils of being presented as the person who is out front, but does not necessarily want stress that comes with it. And this is a point I've always made about LeBron. Um, he picks and chooses spots, right? And again, he has the right. To pick and choose his spots. But if you're going to be the guy that positions himself as a leader, it doesn't, you don't get to pick and choose your spots like that in the name of ease and convenience. You don't get to do that.
1: Without more peer pressure, the NBA has got relatively little leverage over their players. They've got those rules that'll keep unvaccinated folks isolated from their teammates, putting them in a stress position, basically. The league has also said that teams don't have to pay players for missing games if they aren't vaxxed. But especially for the big names, who've made so much money already, a slightly smaller paycheck might not be enough to push them to get the shot.
2: I think that not being vaccinated is really a privilege sort of issue in a lot of these places. So, you know, we're hearing about Kyrie Irving and Andrew Wiggins. um, They play in cities that have ordinances that would make it impossible for them to play home games. Um, if they do not get vaccinated. Now, I can't see those guys walking away from 16, 17 million dollars piece, which is what it would be for each of them if they did not play home games. But if they really wanted to, they could afford to do it. Like, I don't think the 20 million dollars that they'd get for playing those home games is 20 million dollars they're ever going to get around to spending. They could do that. Most people don't have that luxury. And so overwhelmingly, the league has presented proof of vaccination and they're going to get out there. But I do think that even this small percentage of NBA players in particular, I think that the league is surprised that they didn't just go ahead and get on it. I think they also thought that peer pressure would be a big part of it because they're I think the most effective part probably in what they're doing to try to induce people to cooperate if they did not want to is basically separating them from the team, which is probably the greatest inconvenience that any of them would suffer under these circumstances. What's going to happen is some guys are going to find the hassles to be too much and they're going to go get vaccinated. And then you're just going to look up and people who cover the team are going to recognize that that person doesn't have to adhere to the other protocols anymore.
1: You're just going to realize, like, they're on the court. Oh, they must have gotten vaccinated.
2: Yeah, I'm tired of sitting over here eating lunch by myself, you know, and, you know, and then that that I think that kind of stuff is going to happen. But I don't think there's anything left to talk about. Like we got one thing we do have to stop pretending is though there are any like holdouts that can be converted. I don't think I, I think that part is over.
1: Hmm. You think people have made their choices now.
2: Right. And either you're going to make them get it or you're not if they haven't gotten it already.
1: Bomani, I love having you on. Thank you so much for chatting.
2: All right, no problem. You guys have a good one.
1: Bomani Jones is an ESPN commentator and the host of the Right Time with Bomani Jones podcast. And that, that is our show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Davis Land, Carmel Del Shad, Daniel Hewitt, and Elena Schwartz. We're led by Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. And I'm Mary Harris. Go track me down on Twitter. Tell me what you really think of your own NBA team. I'm at Mary's desk. All right. Catch you back here on
3: Monday. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C., But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in DC on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to Slate.com slash Amicus Live for tickets. I'm Dahlia Lithwick and I'm host of Amicus Slate's podcast about the law and the US Supreme Court. We are shifting into high gear, coming at you weekly with the context you need to understand the rapidly changing legal landscape, the many trials of Donald J. Trump, judicial ethics, arguments and opinions at SCOTUS. We are tackling the big legal news with clarity and insight every single week. New Amicus episodes every Saturday, wherever you listen.